wherever I'm finding you in the world, that you are in a state of just openness and expectancy to what the Lord wants to teach you today. Um, you know, I feel always feel like weird when I say that, but not because it, it's me, right? Like he is here for you. I am here on this Peloton because the Lord said, go, do. I'll be honest, in my flesh, I really wanted to stay next to the fire this morning. I just felt like the sweetness of the Lord this morning, just like how calm and gentle he is. You know, sometimes I hear about his wrath and judgment and anger, and we can get in this place of fixating like God is mad at the state of the world because there are times when I'm, I'm mad at the state of the world, right? I'm like, gosh, why can't we get it together as a humanity? Why can't we work together? Why can't we be in synchronicity? And that's me honed in on a problem, right? Because if I zoom back to that like heavenly perspective and I see how God is orchestrating his sons and daughters together and what's actually transpiring in the spiritual realm is truth, is coming to light. And the city on the hill is, is about to take over. So if you feel like you're in a state or a season of darkness, I encourage you to zoom back out of the problem, out of the circumstance, out of what feels hopeless. And, and I know that there are some very, very drastically um, hopeless situations that are transpiring in people's lives. I have my own sense of hopeless desperation. But when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, rather than said outcome of that scenario, rather than eternal life, I'm focused on external circumstances or happenstances. Man, uh, I want to run. <laughs> Honestly, my amygdala is like, fight, flight, freeze, fight, flight, freeze, right? Where are you? Are you on the side of, of response where it's from the Lord because he sat with you, because you sat with him and therefore you can activate? Or are you in the fight, flight, freeze side where it's a little frustrating, it's a little overwhelming, there's a lot of fear, right? We know light versus dark. We know it. But sometimes we don't take that minute by minute perspective because I know it can shift. I know it can change. It can feel like a roller coaster sometimes. Good morning. Hello. I see all my friends hanging out here, pumped to, to see you both on the Instagram and Facebook. And for those listening into the podcast later, I hope today is a treasure for you. This week I had the incredible opportunity to train up our mastermind, our smart business mastermind. And there's about 80, 90 people in that, that there was about 40 people on, on Tuesday night. And it was an unexpected training. And I, I hope this lands for you that God has an unexpected training for you and through you if you allow yourself to be a conduit. If you allow yourself to just free flow, stop judging yourself. Y'all, I could judge myself right now. You want to hear my flesh? My flesh is like, what is this calate going on in my hair? Right? I haven't brushed my teeth. If I get up real, real close, you can see all the mascara from yesterday that I didn't take off last night because I fell asleep while my daughter was reading me her homework book around 7.45 at night. <laughs> my eyes were tired from being on a screen yesterday. I could judge myself for so many things, but if I stand in that mindset, I wouldn't turn on the screen, right? Or if I stand in the mindset of comfortability, I really don't feel like moving right now. 
but I'm going to, I'm going to get a sweat on. My legs are going to feel like jello at the end of this because now I've taken that one next step. This is habit building, right? This is discipline. Like get on the bike. If you're sitting on a bike, you're not going to not move your legs. Really? Don't be that person. <laughs> I saw my friend's house yesterday and I was like, Hey, I didn't know you had a Peloton. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I've never heard her talk about the Peloton, right? I'm like, get on the Peloton. If you own the Peloton, if you own tennis shoes and you have not put them on, try them on. Just try it on. <laughs> See what happens, right? So anyway, I had this opportunity to teach and allow the spirit to move. I'll be honest, in my flesh, I was like, this doesn't feel like enough content to fill two hours of teaching. This doesn't feel like so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess like masterful, so brilliant to bring to these people that is this a waste of their time, right? I'm critiquing. And this is what a lot of people think, like I'm not prepared, which is what I did feel because our partner is very sick right now. He needs prayer. He's got like a throat infection. He said it's like as bad, if not worse than COVID. So prayers up for Adam, but understanding this, I and my natural tendencies and like, I need to build, I need to build a slide deck. I need to know exactly what I'm going to say. I need to know what these reference points are. I need to study a little bit more stats connected to this rhythm that I've developed as far as profit bearing activities go. Okay. That was the topic of conversation. Well, I showed up with as much as I could and I had that space allowing him to take over, right? If you pray into your weakness, pray into the thing that you're not enough in, pray into the problem and watch God move. But again, if I had stayed fixated on myself and like, I'm going to do this in my own ability, it would have fallen short. It would have fallen flat. So two and a half hours later, because it was just so good. It was so good. He was just showing up left and right. And people were being broken free from bondage around social media, bondage around what their time is actually used for. What is a profit bearing activity? Is it connected to money? We're going to talk about finances today. I'm holding this Bible. I promise I'm going to get to it. We're in Luke 16 today. If you want to turn there right now. Oh, it's so rich. Um, but I was talking about this and then even yesterday it was this revelation that profit bearing activity connected to eternal activity. Is it spelled profit? You guys know profit identity. I talked about it a lot. If you don't know your gifts and talents, how can you ever intend to profit here on earth as it is in heaven connected to said gifts and talents? That's literally why God made you. It's who he made you better yet. The why is for his adoration and love and for us to go and make disciples out of that identity again and again and again, all day, every day. And yet he knows the way that the world operates. He's going to talk about it right here in Luke 16. He knows that there's money. There was gold in the garden. Okay. The things that were here upon intention were placed here with intention out of creation. So while mammon and understanding that the focus of mammon, if I'm only focused on profit bearing activities through the lens of business, man, I'm cutting God off. That's not his intention for you. So yeah, we talk about it through the lens of income generating activities. I've had many business coaches who are like, 
Do that first. Check that first. Make sure you get that done and then the rest of your day will flow. There's truth to that. Such truth to that. But what about the deeper truth? What about the other layer connected to that? The actual capital T truth rather than little T truth connected to how you're generating that income. Okay? Income is not just something that we keep. It's something that flows through us. And so if we're constantly just in this acquisition desire, just like client acquisition, just like growing influence, just like community, if we're so honed in on hashtag numbers, dollar signs, we're limiting the bigger picture of the heart call and the bank accounts of blessings that we could be passing out and also receiving. Because we've fixated on greed, we've fixated on ego, we've fixated on numbers, we've fixated on pride, lust. These things are, are of sinful nature, they're of the dark, they're of the world. And in Luke 16, you're gonna get real confused first. <laughs> and then I'm gonna create some clarity. As I was reading even myself, I'm thinking, gosh, this seems abnormal to every other parable that you read. It seems weird that God would say something like this, and we'll start there. He says, mm, Luke 16, 9. Here's the lesson, is what it says. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. So that part sounds pretty good. It sounds like, okay, I can do that. My worldly resources, think of money. You think of like my home. I think of like tangibles when I think of worldly resources, right? But also understanding that there are resources of heaven. There are resources of heaven, lean into this that are not tangible. They're intangible assets that you possess, which is a part of your profit generating activities, right? Be a blessing to bless others, bless others to be a blessing. Am I saying that right? Backwards, forwards, either way, it doesn't matter. It's the same, right? We, that's our intention. And when our intention is that rather than finances, oh my gosh, everything changes. You become a magnet to the thing that you want because you are now in alignment with the desire of God, with his heart's desires. People think it's our heart desire. You want more money. You don't want to be broke. I get it. Or you want that fast car and fancy life, but ultimately the resources dwell in the blessings of heaven that exist in your eternal life. Eternal, right? We will waste away. Here I am on this Peloton and people are always like, how do you do that? You're not sweating like a pig. Yes, I am. <laughs> you just don't see it. The glow and the ring light make it all worthwhile. You're not breathing very hard. Yes, I am. I'm controlling it out of discipline. How are you controlling your resources? How are you controlling your breath? Come on, Yahweh. I think of him and the connection to those letters that make up his name that have you inhale and exhale. We're living in such an anxious world. Depression and mental health, top of combo. And I feel like, again, we're fixated. We're fixated on this mental health capacity or problem, which isn't bad, but there's so many other elements to that, right? 
mind, body, soul, spirit. Technically, mind and soul are the same because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So really, we should just say mind, body, spirit. But I never want people to forget the emotional intelligence side of this dynamic. We talked about yesterday on the Founder Collective podcast, in case you didn't know, we have another one. Um, it's incredible. My best men of God, actually I've got so many men of God in my life, I'm so grateful. Um, but some of my favorite people, <laughs> my best friends, uh, people who were a part of my life and when I was in the pit, right? Um, and like I said, there's still parts of my life that I'm trying to crawl, crawl and claw out of, uh, especially when it comes to relational dynamics of family. But mainly, those people have seen me there and now they get to be with me in this season too and it's not over, right? I'm not at any summit because every summit is a false summit, summit until I'm with God, until I'm in heaven in that full scope perspective. So we're talking about resources. We're talking about wealth. We're talking about finances. We're talking about profit generating activities as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and this is the kingdom perspective. Having kingdom-oriented mentality will change everything in your relationships. So in this particular parable, it's the parable of the unjust, excuse me, employee. Ooh, I'm tickling my throat. Stand by. Let me get some water really quick. Ooh. <laughs> I only own tennis shoes and sandals. <laughs> Good. So you're used to it. You're used to going with me, you're used to running. Hopefully you're used to drinking water too. Very important hydration. So the parable of the unjust steward, okay? Understanding this, when it goes in to talking about shrewdness and how this person operates with their master's money, essentially they've taken the master's money and they have been using it at will, wasting the employer's money. Quick hold up here, because this is very granular. If you're in an employee to employer relationship, which we all are, regardless if you're the entrepreneur or not, remember, you have a CEO in heaven. So you always have an employer. <laughs> and that employer can and may let you be for a little bit, meaning lay you off, fire you, let go. Now, the Lord never lets go of you. That'd be like the prodigal father being like, Bye, I decided you have to go back with the pigs. That's not his intention. It's actually you, the one who is walking away based on your own mismanagement of resources. So think about it this way. God's giving you love. God's giving you favor. God's giving you financial uh, assets. And what are you doing with those things are you managing them well? Or are you mismanaging the resources from your employer, from your father? Remember, everything in the Bible is about God. It gives you practical, tangible examples of your day-to-day. -day. It teaches you about what it should look like when you walk into your place of business. Whether as the employee or the employer, we all play that role. So he is the unjust steward of money. He's mismanaging the assets, the resources, he gets caught. Imagine that. Imagine that. I think I, I process for this man the amount of time and energy that he wasted while doing something of the dark, in the dark, 
by himself, trying to figure it out in his own mind, the emotions that he carried, the shame. Now, some people who do things that are quote unquote bad or uh, fleshly, we'll put it that way, not of God, they don't have the same emotional intelligence or mental stamina in order for them to even have the revelation that this thing is really wrong, okay? I get that. I understand that there's a mental health capacity to this. And some people don't feel shame or guilt like I do, right? When you are connected to the father, he doesn't want you to feel shame or guilt, but you know that you know that you know when you feel it because you understand what righteousness feels like. But if somebody has always been right walking in the dark, they have this different barometer of good and evil. They have this different barometer of temperature on what is right and what is wrong. I've seen this more and more and more as I learn even from Christians, y'all. Christians who have been walking with the Lord. Their thermometer of righteousness is very different than, than mine because God personally convicts us. He's personally creating us, right? Even though he has an end goal for us all to be in eternity, it's like the man on the cross at crucifixion on Calvary with Christ who was in his darkest moment, well, maybe not his active darkest moment, but a dark moment of death, and he still made his way into heaven. I'm not the one to judge said barometers. I'm not the one to judge the temperature in which they create when they walk into a situation based on their actions or lack thereof, based on how they decide to manage money or not, what or how they decide to share truth or be of truth. But I do know the difference based on the fruit of someone's life when they're walking in the light and they're not. When they're walking in full truth and humility and they're not. And this is friction all the time. Do not get confused. There are no perfect people. But there is peace and joy connected to managing resources well. Now, worry might be a part of that. I'm managing my resources really well right now. But it doesn't mean that worry doesn't creep in to say, I'm not going to have enough. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to work. That's not going to happen. But if I stay in that place of worry and doubt, who am I relying on? Me and my team or God the Father? All right, let's zoom in here. So employer, employee, you have an employer in heaven. You are the employee, regardless if you're the entrepreneur and the leader in your group, whoever. Maybe you think you're managing your own money. You're not. You're managing his, okay? So this employer calls the guy. He gets caught in his sin. He gets caught in the action. And he says, what is this I hear about you? First off, I love from a leadership lens that he asks a question and he doesn't immediately go in with an insult. This is good. I didn't even think about this before. What is this I hear about you now? He may or may not have given him an opportunity to speak because it continues and says, get your report in order because you are going to be fired. This is good. This is grace right here. He's giving him time. He's giving him space. He's giving him a second chance. Truly. And I haven't even processed this part. I have a whole other section way down lower that's highlighted and bulleted. Didn't even highlight this. But I love that there's a chance 
for redemption in here. There's a space, a window of opportunity. He says, you're going to be fired. This is a part of, you know, the consequences. The Lord has consequences too, right? You create this catastrophe with your own choices and lack, or it's been created on behalf of somebody else and you find yourself in this place. There are consequences. Sometimes said consequences aren't even your fault. They're generational passes. They're sin from the garden that still is generating consequences. This gender confusion situation that we're in right now is not the problem of the child. It's the problem of generational bondage and passing and belief systems and immorality. It's lack of identity. Lack of identity. This happened, this fall of identity happened in the garden. And we're blaming moms and dads right now. And the moms and dads are like, I don't even know. I was just doing what is right by my daughter or son. I was just trying to help them be who they are and give them space to be a butterfly. Take that as you will. Unintentional reference, right? I get the heart of the parents. I understand the hearts of the doctors who are doing these wild surgeries on children. They don't know any better because they're not standing in true identity themselves. And so hurt people hurt people. People who mismanage money likely didn't have stewardship taught to them when they were younger. Because if that child, if that person did get that training that we all need, that we are conscientious of with our children who are many youthpreneurs at this point in their life, tithing, saving, taxes, money <laughs> that you get to use as a resource to bless other people. That's the breakdown. That's the breakdown. But if they didn't get taught that, is it really their fault? Yes, there's action. Yes, I believe people know good versus wrong. I, I really do believe that. But this boss, this employer, just like our father does, says, man, what are you doing? What is this I hear that you're doing? Guess what happens in that moment? It's a moment of opportunity for confession. It's a moment of opportunity for repentance. That's what that is. And there's space for you today. There's space for me today. When the Lord is like, what are you doing? Are you sure that's, is that my will or your will? Right? Come into this divine alignment and realize that correction is for safety and protection. It's out of his love that he provides correction. It's out of his love that he asks you these really hard questions when you're standing in the mirror, when you're by yourself, when you open the word and you're like, why is he speaking to me on this topic? I don't want to talk about that. That's the thing you're trying to hide or put in the dark or put in the closet. He's like, no. Bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. See what I can do with it when you're transformed in the light. So this employer and employee relationship has a bit of tumultuous undertones. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the, stead, the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Well, confession, <laughs> repentance, right? I'm too proud, he says. Pride is a fall. He's not strong. He can't, he can't dig a ditch. Guess what that tells me? It tells me that he was so emphasized 
on said fleshly desires out of his mind and his ego and his pride and his comfortability connected to those finances that he was not physically enduring anything. Mind, body, spirit. Spiritual alignment was out. Physical alignment was out. Mental alignment was out. Sin happens. Darkness overthrows. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. So we have to be good stewards of that. So what did he do? So he invited each person who owned or who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. Now, at this point, he may or may not be fired yet. We don't really have context of that. He does say my boss has fired me, so maybe he already believes that it's happened. But his boss gave him that window of opportunity to repent, to confess, to get the report in order, and yet still the consequence is the consequence. So he brings together all these people, and he starts essentially cutting all of their dues that he's, they're supposed to pay to his employer in half. Now, that doesn't feel right. That feels slimy. Feels like you're going behind his back. And he was. But his intention was selfish. His intention was, if I can help make friends with these people, if I can help these people out based on my relationship with my employer, ooh, this is good, another Revelation Live. I love Live Revelation, thank you, Lord. Oh man, based on his relationship with the employer, he could help these people with these worldly assets. He could say, I'll slice it in half. You only owe me 400 gallons of oil now. You only owe me, uh, instead of 1,000 bushels of wheat, 800 bushels of wheat. So first off, he didn't completely clear the debtors. Those debtors still owe money. But who are they thinking in this point? They're thinking the employee. They're thinking the person who has slashed the debt. They might also give gratitude to the employer at that moment. But he didn't really give much context other than that. I just love the personal revelation that just occurred is the connection point to when we steward our resources well and we bless other people in the process. Now, mind you, he's blessing them not out of goodness. We're going to get to that in a minute because it's a little confusing as a parable from Christ to do something like this. But when we bless other people, it's actually not even a full representation of us. This is where ego can get in the way. I believe this guy says he struggles with pride. So he probably did take the affirmation for himself and create that relationship so that he would not then have to worry about finances or where to live or getting a job. It literally says this biblically. We're in Luke 16 right now. But from that, they also are thinking of the employer. They're thinking of that said scenario. These people have options. You have an option if you're the one being brought this kind of situation, this kind of opportunity. Do you honor the employee or do you honor the employer? Now, I've had incredible blessings by leaders who they've struck me a deal. <laughs> hey, do this and I'll give you a discount. Hey, show up in this way and I won't charge you. Hey, let me gift you this thing. Let me bless you with this opportunity. Let me let, jump on my podcast. No charge. You realize we do this all the time, right? Like this is industry standard. But if industry standard was to be paid or pay to get on these experiences, how many people would actually get to do it? How many people would actually put their money where their mouth is and step forward into said opportunity? Hmm, interesting, interesting thought. But ultimately, the employer is always being represented. The employer, God our Father, is always in the room. 
He's in the room when you're doing the thing you're not supposed to do. He's in the room when you're doing the thing you are doing right. He's in the, the room when you are just kind of mediocre. He's in the room when the new person comes in to open the door of opportunity. He's in the room when the door of opportunity is closed and you feel betrayed. He's always there. And so it's important for us to have the perspective in the lens of heaven rather than worldly possession. And that's what this is talking about. This is where I got confused. So it says the rich man, this is the employer. This would be God. Same reference if you want to look at it from the spiritual lens in which we're unpacking it today. God had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I loved this statement. First off, the dishonest rascal doesn't feel as difficult or penetrating as the liar. But it's the same. It's the same. It's like name calling has become this huge thing in our industry, in our world, not even industry. Name calling people. Sometimes we create our own name, right? For a while, you would find on my website, Purpose Activator. People have called me Entrepreneurial Rabbi, Christian Business Coach, Minister of the Gospel. All of these titles, sometimes self-generated, Sometimes other people give you these labels and these altars and these mantles on your life. Gifts, absolutely gifts. Also, weights. Weights, if you're the one carrying them versus Christ carrying it for you. Remember, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So when I get under that mantle, when I get under that title, and I'm like, I recognize the difference in who's carrying that title. It's not about me. It's not about you. But is the title bad? Is the title bad? I was listening to a ragamuffin gospel by Brendan Manning, who's one of my becoming and continuing to affirm one of my all-time favorite authors. Interestingly, he dealt with a lifetime of alcoholism. Lifetime. Lifetime struggle. He's completely open about it, totally transparent about it. I know that there were Sunday mornings he was preaching on stage and he was totally hungover. I know he wrote some of my favorite books, completely intoxicated. You know what's hard about that? Man, it's so hard because I deal with this problem in my family dynamic all the time from lots of different angles. That's why I don't drink. I don't want that generational curse to continue. I also don't want to be ever seen in that light. Not because of it's what self or people judge me of, but of what, how God sees me. Are you intoxicated before God? Whew, that's a question. Are you answering your door when he knocks and you're completely obliterated and you're not going to remember said encounter in the morning? Hmm, I wonder that as he wrote those words. Did it actually ever fully sink in? What was he missing? What was he missing? What point of correction did he not pick up? Now, this could be parallel to so many different things. Cancer, that's a whole nother conversation. Sickness, disease, demons, pastors, congregations who have demonic oppression, possession, whatever you want to call it. You go do the research there. I'm learning that it's all possession, even if you feel like it's oppression because they have to have a house and you are a house. I think about this and it, you have a gift and a talent to steward this person, this employee in Luke 16 had a gift of money management or he would have never been hired. Now he could have had other gifts, 
Maybe money wasn't his thing. Regardless, people have gifts and talents. You're being put in thrust sometimes, or you step into by will into situations and titles. Are you managing them well? So the father, the rich man, I'm, I'm using them simultaneously because I'm looking at it through this spiritual lens. Luke 16, 8. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And I love that like simple language. I specifically highlight that because I think of my kids, right? You dishonest rascal. I feel like I could give them a little noogie. You remember noogies? <laughs> I hated those things. Like this, I don't know. I don't even understand it. Or like, it's like the great auntie like pinches your cheek, right? You dishonest rascal. To me, that feels like love. To me, that feels like compassion. To me, that feels like a call to maturity. And we all are being called to maturity. We're being called to maturity into things that we don't get right all the time. We're actually being laid off in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm, because we got to get well. We got to get right. We got to start blessing people with our resources instead of taking them from a place of ego and pride and self-indulgence, which is literally what this is about. Come on, Lord. You're about to get fired. What are you going to do with your finances then? What are you going to do? It says, and it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. This one hurts. This one's tough, but it's completely apparent in how the world is operating right now. We see the world winning. We see darkness, supposedly. Now, let, don't, don't take this for what it is because we have a victor in heaven that surpasses all of the problems that we see. Already won the war. Already won the battle. Already won the fight. But in the flesh, whew, we're walking around in a state of chaos because they are shrewd. Let's get the definition of what shrewd is. Because immediately I was like, man, I don't want to be shrewd. I don't want to be a shrewd child of the light. But it's literally calling us to have an element of being shrewd. What does that mean? It says sharp-witted. Sharp-witted or astute. They have sharp powers of judgment. Y'all... Who wants to preach with me? Who wants to preach with me? I mean, you see this. You see this in politics. You see this in education. You see this in big pharma. They are shrewd. They don't take no for an answer. They can hide it right in plain sight. Why is that? Because they have, they have a shrewdness about them. They have sharp-witted, sharp powers of knowledge. Why are we not shrewd with the sword that we've been given? We got weapons of warfare, y'all. Us Christians, we're not meek. You see me on this. You see me sweating. You see me like so empowered. This is not me. I am moving my body, but the spirit is present and he is calling you higher. We have weapons of warfare that we keep at our side. We actually hide them completely when we go into the marketplace because, oh, heaven's sake, they know I'm a Christian. They know I have a private agenda. Yeah, you better have an eternal agenda. These people are working off of a lifespan. My lifespan's too short. 
to be here for way longer. I want to be that 120-year-old, icky guy, reason for being acknowledged, broken all over, but has that gold silver lining of the Kintsugi Project. I want people to come and ask me, how are you so wise? How are you still living? What have you seen with your natural eye? And even more great than that, I want eternity. If you are so fixated on what you want tomorrow, what you need next year to make the mortgage payment, what you need next month to make the car payment, if you're so focused on that, you're missing eternity. You're missing the resources at your right hand. You're missing the weapons that are there for you to penetrate the lies. You know what's so cool? Let me give you just a fun example of how good God is and how intentional he is with every single detail, even financially and fiscally in your life. Have you been praying about this problem as much as you've been petitioning it in your own flesh? As much as you've been talking about it and gossiping about it? At no point in this story does it say that the father, does it say that the manager, the leader, the CEO, went and talked to all of his people to get counsel? No. He was clear as day. He was clear as day in what was next for that person's fate. Essentially, God knows. He's clear. He doesn't go to the angels and be like, did you see that? Did you, were, were you there when that happened? Did, didn't we already, did, did you try to convict him yesterday and that didn't work? Mm -mm. Ever present. So constant, in fact, that when you are warring in the spirit, this is your birthright. You get to send angel armies into your problem, into your financial needs. I have had people on the phone with student loans for either consolidation or um, they're trying to forego payments because of financial situations for however much longer. They just need some time, right? Or they're, they're just trying to pay a bill, perhaps, that just keeps compounding and now it's time. I got the money, I'm going to pay it. And they have completely wiped said problem right from underneath them in the best way possible. Debt free. Debt free. I believe that if we become stewards of heaven in the way that our mighty God is asking us, calling us, correcting us, charging us to do, debt free. We're debt free by his grace, by the love that he showed on the cross of Calvary. And then the power connected to that, the authority in which you can operate and use said weapons to slash against the darkness, to stand against these principalities, not people. Some people, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against darkness and principalities. And therefore, if you don't know truth, you can never be shrewd. These people have little t truth. The dark has truth too. Satan knows parts of God's plan. He knows his character. He's been with them a long time. He knows how to create trickery to teach you or connive you into said training zone. That's what the serpent did in the garden. Y'all, this is not new. This is not new. This is as old and ancient as days. But in the beginning, there was the word. And the word still stands. Come on. It still stands today. So when God is calling us higher into our faithful works, 
He's calling us higher because he has a job title for you. He has a mantle for you that only you can carry. But are you focused on short term? Are you focused on comfort right now? Or are you focused on eternity? If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, another point of confusion, I'm going to explain it in a minute. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Man, this will get you. This will get that employee-employer work. This will get that leadership. This will get that team. This will get that student and teacher. This is relationships of, of heaven. There's hierarchy. Only one. Only one God. Only one God in heaven supersedes all else. We, as citizens of heaven, operate together. Darkness below our feet. We stomp on the serpents and scorpions. But what we've allowed to happen because we aren't shrewd enough, we're not equipped enough, we're not allowing our mind, body, and spirit to be in full co-aired experiences with Christ, we're letting the darkness come on top. We are letting the monsters win. We're letting them control the things, the worldly possessions that are here. I'm not standing for it anymore. I refuse to let that happen. I refuse to let you have all of these weapons of warfare and not know how to use them. This word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your, your shoes of peace, do you walk in peace or do you walk in chaos? When I walk into a chaotic situation, I'm still walking in peace. Don't move me. <laughs> Don't try to knock me out of my shoes. Heels are running, either one. I want to be grounded in peace. We have that capability. The darkness does not. Satan never promises a false element of peace. False comfort, never peace. Do you think when this guy was stewarding money the way that he was, which was wrong, mismanaging money, that he had peace about it? No. He had conviction about it. He probably worried what happens when my boss finds out. Are you hiding something in, from heaven? Truly, that exists at every given moment of every given day. We look up, but it's right here. It's right here. You know that you know that you know when you're hiding something. When you're being untrustworthy with worldly riches, with worldly wealth. Now, wealth is what you define it as, not what the world defines it as. Worldly wealth is defined as fast cars and freedom, right? But freedom has shackles when you're only here for a certain period of time. The shackles are your lifespan. And when you go in the ground, you're done. You're on the cross, you're out. Not in eternity. Not in eternity. Freedom is not a part of this life. Freedom is an eternal resource. Finances, I think of the riches in heaven 
Man, when I operate with that mentality that I am the head and not the tail, I don't care what your bank account says. It changes everything. You walk in with confidence and clarity. Everyone wants clarity. You have clarity when you're connected. You don't have clarity when you're disconnected. Now I know some devout Christians who are looking for clarity. And what I tell them every single time is not that they don't know Christ, they know Christ. But they're not operating as Christ's operating through them because they're not stepping in confidence. When Peter got out of the boat, he had two options. And he wavered, you saw it. Get out of the boat and stand with two feet on water or stay in the boat and stay comfortable. Worldly resource, boat. Heavenly resource, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Say, keep my, your eyes on me. Stop looking to what you think you need. When Jesus was here on earth and he sent out the disciples, what did he do? What did he send them with? What worldly resources? Nada. Nada when it came to the flesh. No money. No, no food. I think one change of clothes. No change of shoes. Sorry, girls. No, he said, go out. What's your resource with? The riches of heaven are inside of you. No one can take those away. No one can take away your weapons. They are yours. They're connected divinely to you. You can't take my breastplate of righteousness. You can't have it. I'm the one who stands in my convictions. I'm the one who Lord says, let that go. And I had to release. It sucked half the time, y'all. But in order to pick up a shield, in order to pick it up, I had to let things go. You have to let go worldly things. So don't let this scripture confuse you. Don't let you read something in the Bible, however big, however small, and you turn your, yourself away from that reading because you're like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm really good at stewarding money. That would be it. You'd read Luke 16, 1 through 18, and you'd be like, that's nice for them. That's nice for them. I'm not that person. Well, if you're not looking at yourself in that story, you're missing your own opportunity to stand further in righteousness, further in alignment with Christ, further with your hands wide open. Because this is my favorite part. No one can serve two masters and the world is serving the master of mammon. If you don't know what mammon is, look it up. Ultimately, it's money. They're serving this false idol. The more money... We know the more problems, <laughs> but for some reason, people have not figured that out. They haven't figured it out. They're serving mammon. You cannot serve two masters for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a kingdom heir, as a co-heir, as all these things. You're my brother and sister in Christ. I need you. I need you to understand that the resources of heaven are yours and therefore they are yours by birthright. And therefore, I need you to be able to steward your finances. I need you to have money. Why? It's the very next thing. Because I need you to be a blessing to bless other people. I need you to expand your mission. I need you to expand your ministry, your church, your business, your community, your influence. 
I need you to do that. And in the Bible, there's this beautiful representation. I have to find what book exactly where the enemy hands back what is rightfully ours. This actually happens a lot of times now that I'm saying this. The enemy gives us the territory, gives us the land, gives us the harvest that they've been planting and stewarding. Come on, I'm telling this to someone. You don't even have to work your fields and you're about to step into receiving it. Oh, I feel this strong. You don't even have to build the business. Someone's about to bless you with it. Come on, Jesus. You don't have to. It's yours. All those people who've been favoring mammon, using that as their God, looking to hit as their God, they will fall. And those finances, all the other pieces of that puzzle, though, because it's not just finances, are going to fall in your lap. Are you stewarding what little you have so you can have the receipts of heaven come and be paid for debt-free? Come on. This is for you. Hold tight to this truth. It says that the Pharisees themselves, which we know the Pharisees and Sadducees have their problems, right? This is what I think sometimes about church congregations or businesses that have all of this fruit because people inside are planting. That is why you must show up to whatever position you come in. I don't care if you're general admission or you're speaking on stage. I don't care if you're the lighting director or you're passing out papers. You better come dressed. You better become robed. You better come with the acknowledgement of what and who you are in Christ. Because we don't have time for this chaos anymore. Time is getting closer and closer and closer to that stamp, that sealed date. When Jesus comes back, I'm going to be ready. And I want to be front lines. I want to be Martha. Okay, so many people love Mary. I love Mary. I had Mary seasons. But this is the thing. We write people off. We write people off. But even this guy, even the shrewd, dishonest rascal got recognition because he has space to change. Just because he got fired, just because you got fired, just because you've walked the wrong way, just because you're in a ditch right now, does not mean that righteousness is not yours. Does not mean that the riches of heaven are not yours. We're not casting people to the side here. We are calling them in and we are calling them up. This is an invitation for you to do the same. You can't fight that battle alone. And yet that's what we do day in and day out. I talked about you prophetically receiving what it is that somebody else has stewarded unrighteously and you're going to get it. Who's going to be with you when you receive that? Who knows the big vision, the big dream that says, you know what? That, that actually isn't mine. This is a Boaz moment. Boaz understood even if his flesh wanted Ruth, even if his spirit wanted Ruth, he said, there is an order. Ooh, there's an order. There is an order. There is a kingdom order. And that order was him having to go to the person who actually got rights to Ruth and ask and create a new covenant with that person so that there was not friction. Come on. Are you seeing yourself in these stories that are written? Read or not, it's for you. Because it's a story of God's goodness. It's a story of God's grace. It's a story of God's constants. He is always doing the same exact thing. We're the ones who can't figure it out. We're the ones who make the mess of it. He's like, all right, I'll fix it again. 
I'll do it again. But what I want you to know is that if you're not sharing the dream, if you're not casting the vision, if you're not being prophetic in what it is that God has given you, if you're not stepping out of the boat in the small little waves, what's going to happen when a big tsunami comes? Are you ready? And I might not be the one to receive said blessing. There's many times where I'm like, Ugh, I love that. Thank you so much for offering it to me. I'm actually not the right fit for that opportunity, but this person is. This is where connections in the kingdom matter. And if you're so egocentric, if you're so focused on yourself in that small problem we talked about at the beginning, you will never see the greater purpose. You will never have clarity because you don't have confidence. You can't carry armor unconfidently. David felt that way when he was about to go to war with Goliath. The king was like, let me give you my best armor. I can't give you my armor. You can see what it looks like to wear it, but I can't give it to you. You have to shape up, friend. You got to fight those lions and those bears. And maybe you've been in that season for a long time and you're ready to take that next step. Have you stewarded the little well? And are you proclaiming it? Stand on truth. It says that the Pharisees, he said this, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. And it says, but now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than it is for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. Y'all, this should give you peace. This should give you that transcendent peace. Lord, I'm just proclaiming that right now on the souls of the listeners today, their mind, their body, their spirit, their emotions, their will, your will be done in their lives today, associated directly to the peace. The Prince of Peace is who you are. It's this understanding that it is God's law. It is your law for us to win. And it won't be any other way. It can't be any other way. It's not going to happen. So what you see in the natural, you got to stop that. You got to put on the lens of the Lord. Put on his GQ glasses, right? Put them on and wear them confidently. Take the day on. Take the season on. Attack the problem soundly bless others be a blessing for others with your wealthy resources it may not be money you might be giving the time you might be giving the energy and showing up as a servant you might not have the title yet but you are called you are claimed you are known in heavenly realms they know your name it's been written in eternity so hold tight to that truth. Don't let go. Don't do something in the darkness that you think you can hide. Walk in the light, my friends. Be the light today. Show up all of you, not half of you. Sweat it out, huff and puff it out. Proclaim his truth and goodness. Woo, I love you guys so much. I feel the fire of the Lord on that one. I hope it ignited you. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Come on, Emily, Natalie, Christine.
Chelsea, come on. There has been a lot of darkness and damage to names spoken to me. I am trying for the last three years to try and try and to really realize I am worth time. Woo-wee. You are worth eternity, my friend. You are worth eternity. What a gift. What a gift. Every day is resurrection day. Let's walk in that truth. God, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your divine downloads. I thank you for this community of believers and kingdom shakers who are willing to stand on the truth, Lord, who are willing to armor up and fight the good fight. God, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and active and it trains me up every single day. Oh, I thank you for the peace that it brings. I thank you for the spirit of war that it brings. I thank you for the spirit of shrewdness in the best way, God. Sharp knowledge. God, we have sharp wisdom in your wellspring of life. God, that you equip us with wealth. Nothing else of the world equips us with wealth. We stand in that truth today. We armor up together in that truth today. And we go out to bless other people because that's the eternal prosperity of the kingdom. Come on, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We walk with you today in the cool of the day, God. Thank you for time. Thank you for breath. Thank you for your son. Thank you that you know us intimately. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the visions and the dreams and the the confidence, Lord, that you give us internally and internally to walk it out externally. Oh, turn the light on of these listeners, Lord. Spark that flame, Lord. Fresh wind over their life right now. Mm. New doors of opportunity opening today. Peace, God, that transcends all understanding. Guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything with thanksgiving and praise. We honor you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Hmm. In his mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Love you guys so, so much. Blessings. Where are all my authors out? Or my wannabe authors? My wannabe best-selling authors, in fact. This can be you. And it doesn't have to look like my journey, which was a three-year writing journey and a multi-year understanding and unpacking the publishing industry and agents and Amazon and all the things that go into being an author that people don't think about. They just want to write the book, which I get. I, I want you to just write the book. But I want you to be equipped with the resources and the knowledge of what to do next so that the world can receive your message so that the world can learn from you because you are wise, my friend. I am certain of it. And what you have to share is rich, whether it's devotional, whether it's a children's book, whether it's a novel, whether it's a memoir, regardless of the genre, I want to equip you with the how-to and help you to stay accountable and execute. How do I do that? Well, besides having our publishing company, Fit Press, and giving you the resources to distribute it, not just on Amazon, but to the world in book format at bookstores. Yes, I love things that I can hold in person. Also, it's through a book writing retreat. 
It's to get you going. It's to get you in flow. It's to teach you the rhythm of a writer and to give you specific resources and training on how to keep moving the needle after you leave this two and a half day dynamic experience. It's a space that is open and vulnerable. It's a space where you have time to actually sit and write. You will get spoiled in the process because I think authors need just the right environment of relaxation and energy connected to that. So if you're interested in being a part of the book writing journey with us as a Fit Press company, we'd love to have you come. You can check it out on the website. But all of the details are there. It does not include flights, um, but it could include accommodations if it's something that you want to stay with us rather than staying in the comfort of your own space. I get it either way. Totally fine. But let's have a conversation. You can book a call on our site and our team will have a direct conversation about where you are in your writer's journey as well as where you want to be. The cool thing about our publishing house is that it doesn't take as long as most, and we can give you all the reasons why that is, Uh, but ultimately, I want you to have access to the rules, the regulations, the rhythms, and the outcome factor, which is you being that best-selling author that you really want to be, and I know it's with good intent and in humility that you want to have this experience and this exposure, so... No, no judgment here. I'm a three-time best-selling author and I love it. I want to say five. I want to say 10. I want to say like John Maxwell. I want to say I'm of 80K or 80, 80 books and counting, right? Whatever it be, we want you to be heard and read. Well read. All right. So let's do this. I'm so excited to chat with you. Enjoy the rest of the podcast and be sure to check out the links below. That's where you can get in touch with us directly. All right. Bye. Let's get to writing. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this will be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith way. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.